In this week's update, strong follow-through to prior panic buying in the US is hugely positive. And what you need to do to access superior long-term returns with a high probability. My name's Gary Davis. As always, this is general advice only. And please remember to like and subscribe to the video. Okay, a fair bit of water's passed under the bridge since, um, since I last did uh, a video, you might recall. My last effort was, uh, was pretty uh, spluttering and I ended up in hospital with pneumonia. And I might, uh, I might have the odd cough all three this morning, so apologies for that. But look, it's, it's good to be back to do what I've been doing for a long time, and that's provide an independent, unbiased perspective on what's happening in the market. All right, well, stock markets are clearly sending um, a strong message. And I talked about this several weeks ago, and it was almost like um, a buying panic and roll on a few weeks and we've still got stocks that are in very strong earnings growth mode continuing to lead the market and there's no, just no question about that and also the mega trend sectors have continued to progress and what you've got to do is separate the shorter term performance of the stock with the actual performance of the business because they could be very, very different for periods of three, six, 12 months, even a couple of years. If a stock gets overvalued whilst its business continues to, to go ahead very nicely, the stock price can just go into decline for a year or 18 months, merely to, to bring it back into line with, um, with some sort of reasonable value. So it's always important not just to look at the trend, but to look at what's going on underneath. And the mega trends certainly, um, are continuing. It's <laughs> all right. Now, it's not to say that there aren't some potential potholes because there are. Um, you know, China, Ukraine, Middle East, North Korea. Um, the possibility of a U.S. recession next year, although that's getting slimmer and slimmer, the way that the Fed have managed to to pull off the seemingly impossible. But there are certainly many potential potholes out there, but there always are. You know, if you go back over the last 30 or 40 years, there's always a bunch of things that the market can worry about if it wants to, but it always finds a way around the issues or through the issues and continues to set uh, higher highs. So as always, the way to deal with that, with the ups and downs, and 2023 has been a pretty ordinary year. It's, it's been it's been very ordinary at the index level, and it's been pretty ordinary uh, for the majority of stocks as well. The way to get around that is to have a clear, simple plan that gets you where you need to be. And different people, it's a very personal thing, different people need to be at different places in, in various stages of their life. So it's a matter of just matching a very simple, clear plan to where you want to be in 10 or 20 years time and then shut out the noise. That's the hard part because we are wired to want to do what everybody else is doing and thinking. You know, we feel far more comfortable if we're in with the crowd. And yet if you're in with the crowd, that's probably where you're not going to get very good results, almost certainly. So it's a matter of striking the right balance between reward and, and the volatility risk which is appropriate for you. Again, some people are very conservative, some are far more aggressive. 
So this is about tailor making. But I'm absolutely convinced that you can get exceptional long-term returns if you do a few basic things. And I've never been so convinced about the processes that I've been using for a number of years that they'll continue to produce well above average index returns. I, I do all the hard work because I, frankly, I love it. It's what my whole um, life setup is, um, is framed to do. Um, and the second most important part is to help members to stay on track because staying on track is, is actually the most difficult part of the equation. So what you need to do is to turn up with some commitment to stay focused on the task. It's pretty straightforward and give it a couple of years. And that's really all that you need to do. And I think you'll be very pleased with the results um, at the end of that period. <clears throat> yeah, this is, um, this is not rocket science. Pardon me. Um, it's not rocket science, you know, stock, stock selection and, and staying on track. But the hard part is keeping your head straight and, and avoiding getting distracted by just all the things that have, you know, just think about 2023 all the things that have come up, it's so easy to get nervous and distracted by what's going on. Now, within the membership, um, we've had lots of successes. We've had some interim failures. Um, certainly, uh, lithium uh, as one sector has certainly gone off the boil. Copper is another. But we've certainly had um, plenty of successes. Um, and nearly all the core recommendations, you know, the foundation of the portfolios in the Insiders Club have got a track record of success. They've got an exceptional track record of success. They've certainly got the potential to keep delivering over the next two, three, five-year period. And they've also got the other element because lots of stocks have got that potential, but not a lot actually realize it. So they've got to have the high likelihood that that potential is going to be, going to be realized. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's just the facts about the current portfolios that we're running. So if you're interested, <clears throat> come and join us and see for yourself. Don't take my word for it. Come and experience what we do in Portfolio Analyst uh, initially, and then perhaps the Insiders Club. All right, let's jump on with the markets. Um, American stocks, the S&P ended up rising 2.2% for the week. Was a fairly mild finish, but all the good work had been done earlier in the week. And the market is betting that there's not going to be any more rate rises now. So that's that's what's sort of being fully embraced. Um, and taking it one step further, I think the market is starting to now expect that by April May we're going to start to see some um, some interest rate cuts. Now the Fed has done. An exceptional job, and I, it's not often that I get to say that over the over the years, but it would seem that they've they've been able to, to pull off the seemingly improbable and um, avoid recession. But there is still a, a pretty strong school of thought that a recession could hit in 2024. Certainly, the bond market is still um, pointing in that direction. But for now, that's what's being priced in. Now, the US dollar index, again, has, has come off very sharply. It was up above 107 just a few weeks ago. And now with this, um, with this change in outlook for uh, interest rates, it's now down under 104. Uh, 
the big news, of course, of the last um, week or two is that the 10-year yield has slipped further and it's down to 4.45. And we'll take a look at that. It's that big picture chart in just a minute. The VIX is now down to about 13.8. So a lot of that fear has come out of the market. We were consistently up around 1920, 21 for quite a period of time. So the VIX has come off quite a lot. The 10-year spread did get down to negative um, 0.2. It's, it's widened again a little as, as the 10-year yield has come off uh, more quickly than the two-year. All right, let's just take a look at the, this is the 10-year um, yield. Let's look at it on a year-to-date basis. So you can see we peaked out or seemingly peaked out above five. Certainly the market is betting now that that's it. We're not going to go back above five again. Of course, any, anything is possible, but there is such a consistency now in the economic data pointing to um, progressive reductions in inflation, whilst the economy's been able to, to hold together much better than what anybody thought. Um, and earnings season has certainly, um, has certainly validated for a good part of the market that, um, that stocks really aren't all that expensive. Okay, let's take a look at the charts. And we'll start, first of all, with the very big picture. So this is a monthly chart going all the way back to 1950. And you can see that the areas shown with the green bars are secular bull markets. And the ones with the, um, with the orange bars are the secular bear markets. Typically, 1920, perhaps even a little bit more, are the length that secular bull markets run for. The one that, the one that we're in at the moment so, pardon me, um, started in um, 2013. So we're almost 11 years into it, and it's not really showing any sign of changing character. So that's the big picture. I, I believe we've got another 7 to 10 years of this secular bull market. Now, within secular bull markets, of course, you get nasty things happen. Uh, for instance, this is 1987, where the market lost 50% um, of its value. It's just, it's very hard to see on this long-term chart. Um, so, you know, don't think just because it's a secular uh, bull market. And, we, and of course, we, we saw one fairly sharp dip here with COVID in, um, in 2020. So, you know, don't get carried away with another seven to 10 years of secular bull market. You've, you've still got to stay on your toes. You've still got to play the cycles, but that is the big picture. Now, if we look at um, the S&P, you can see uh, we've got a, a big gap up from Monday to Tuesday <clears throat> on, that, um, on that economic data, and then it um, continues to edge higher uh, into the end of the week. Now, importantly, let's look at where the money flows are going. NASDAQ versus the S&P continues with this upward trend that's really been in place since, um, since the middle of the year. So we had, a, we had a, a screaming recovery in terms of growth stocks relative to the rest of the market. That came off the, the lows of, um, of January this year. That slowed down, but we've still had a relative outperformance of the NASDAQ versus the S&P. So this rising trend 
means that the NASDAQ is just gradually doing a little bit better week by week than the S&P is. So that's still all very positive. As you know, semiconductors and what they're doing relative to the S&P is, um, is of tremendous importance to the overall market sentiment. Again, we had a, a massive recovery, massive performance. Uh, and then we went into a sideways period from the middle of the year, but now we're breaking out again. And semiconductors relative to the S&P are, um, are killing it, frankly. And if we look at the, the SMH, we did have a, a bit of a high flag formation here. What I mean by high flag is we didn't get a significant pullback in, in um, price. Um, we just really got a bit of a gentle sideways consolidation that formed up a flag pattern. And you can see the last three weeks have been exceptionally strong for, for semiconductors, which is great if you own them, but it's also a terrific indicator for the rest of the market. Over the last uh, quarter, XLK has now really reasserted itself. So that's technology followed by communication services, uh, followed by consumer discretionary and, uh, and banking. Um, so they've, they've been the strongest sectors. And if we zero in and look over the last two weeks, you can see <laughs> not a lot of change. It's exactly the same order as we saw over the last quarter. So it's, it's continuing with that trend. In Australia, over the last uh, quarter, materials have, uh, have done best, followed by finance. Small caps starting to, uh, to recover, which is, which is good to see because, uh, and I think there's a lot more to come in small caps. So I'm talking stocks, sub $1 billion market cap, um, because they're at, multi-decade lows in terms of their PE multiple relative to larger cap PE multiples. So there's certainly some terrific value there. <laughs> Healthcare starting to recover. And then right down the bottom, we've got um, information technology and energy has really fallen off the perch of late as, um, as oil has, uh, has come off those highs. So that's the, um, that's the setup with the market at the moment. So the Aussie dollar, um, 64 and a half currently. Our index ended up rising 1% across the week. Uh, the worst performer, as we saw, was energy. So crude has come back from above 90. Got down to a low of 72.2 during the week. And then we got a nice bounce on, on Friday. The great long-term performers, um, which tend to be small cap to medium cap stocks, I'm talking, so somewhere between three, 400 million and maybe five to 10 billion. That's the sort of bracket I'm talking about. Those great long-term performers just keep on giving long-term. And I'm absolutely convinced, as I said at the start, that, um, if you have a portfolio that is chock full of those type of strong growth, high probability stocks, that um, over a period of, of three to five years, you, you're going to outperform the market um, with a high degree of probability. It's not guaranteed, of course. You, know, you still need to do the right things. You still need to bring the commitment. You still need to bring the focus. But it's, 
it's just, it's all there for the taking. And I would also comment that whilst we've had a, a terrible year in the Australian market for small cap mining developers, there are a few green shoots. Uh, we've seen a lot of this year where these stocks have made great progress, great announcements, feasibility studies, drilling results, and the market sold them off, just didn't want to know. But now we're starting to see uh, some positive news actually get rewarded with some very significant um, share price increases. Now, coming off low bases, admittedly, but we've seen a couple of stocks doubling value in just a couple of days. So we're certainly seeing some green shoots in, uh, in that area. Precious metals and gold rebounded from the prior week selling, finished uh, just shy of 2000. And interestingly, the gold February futures are pointing to uh, to 2000 just over $2,000 an ounce. So that means the market is, is expecting gold to continue to be supported in, um, in coming months. And that's largely a result because of the shift in sentiment. You know, one of the key things that's been holding the gold price back is the fact that interest rates were rising. Gold doesn't pay a yield. And so therefore there is a penalty in owning, in owning gold relative to owning uh, bonds or stocks. So with that, um, with that sentiment shift towards um, perhaps a declining 10-year bond yield, the focus is now coming back onto gold again. And of course, there's certainly enough fear and uncertainty about all sorts of geopolitical things happening around the world to, um, you know, to keep the support there for gold. Now, if you translate that into Australian dollars, we're still looking at well over $3,000 an ounce, which is extremely profitable territory. So gold stocks should be doing better than they've been doing. But, you know, frankly, there's just not that much positive activity. And the market goes through these cycles. I mean, if you look at value stocks, value industrial stocks, smaller cap stocks, they've really done very, very badly for several years. You know, it's not just been a short-term transient thing. The market has been disinterested in those kind of stocks uh, for quite some time. And it may continue to be the case with gold stocks. Who knows? And that's why my focus is not in, is not in buying gold producers, but in buying advanced world-class gold developers because you get an uplift in the share price as the project gets de-risked. You don't need the gold price to do the work for you. Turning now to other commodities, copper and nickel are still struggling, particularly nickel. Um, copper is pretty flat compared to the previous week, 369, but nickel has now de decisively slipped below the $8 mark. And also crude oil uh, was trading above 90 a few weeks ago, ended up 75 uh, 0.8. It's been certainly been for volatile a few weeks. Right, there's the spot copper chart. Uh, again, if anybody knows whether this spike down is is real or not, can't believe that it's real. Um, please let me know. There's the uh, one year copper inventory. So they certainly pushed up. You know, we were down around um, fifty, sixty thousand 
tons in the London Metals Exchange warehouse. Uh, we're now three times that, and it's sort of holding up at that level. But look, there's certainly some dynamics at the moment which which are transitory, let's put it that way. And transitory might mean another one or two years. Um, but this is not reflective of the demand side. It's been more of the dynamics of supply that have caused that, that increase. And eventually that increase, oh, that, yeah, that increase in inventory levels will disappear and the price of copper will start going up again. And there's the five year, just to give you the, the bigger picture perspective. So we do have declining uh, maximums in, um, in inventory levels. We're up around the 340,000 tonne mark in October um, of 20, pardon me, 2019. And we've been forming basically successive lower highs in inventories. And that should continue over the long term. Uh, there's the spot nickel chart, so it's a pretty, um, pretty sad trend for nickel at the moment. And certainly part of that has been uh, due to what's been happening in, um, in the industry in Indonesia. There's been some increase in nickel supply, but it's not really the warehouse levels that, that have done it. It's really, um, it's really more about um, sentiment towards nickel itself. But again, that should be transitory. So wrapping it up, long-term, higher-level investing success requires, in my mind, the way that I think about the market, three very clear steps. The first one, of course, is about stock selection. And there's only a very narrow sliver of the Australian market that are the sort of stocks that have the record, the potential to keep growing their earnings in excess of 20, 30% a year. And also the very high like, likelihood that they're going to do it. So you've got to have those, those three things. There's, there's not a lot of them, but there are certainly more than enough to build a tremendous long-term performing portfolio. Because the second part is, you can't just wander in and buy these stocks any old time. So if you're someone that, you know, looks for just tips and recommendations in isolation, it's, that's a low probability of success pathway. You need to know how to buy well to make it easy on your psychology because it's very, very difficult to stay the journey over a period of two, three, five years if you don't buy well. So you've got to know how to buy well. And thirdly, and I think this is probably the most important aspect, um, and certainly, you know, what our memberships are framed on, is that you need a continually refreshed perspective about not only the markets in general, but also the individual stocks so that you can stay the profitable journey that, that's on offer. You know, lots and lots of people jump on the, on the start of the escalator you know, they get a, a third or a quarter of the way up and they jump off again because something, you know, something untoward happens or they get distracted or they just lose interest or they just haven't bought commitment in the first place. But certainly it is there for the taking for those that, that want to step up and, and bring that commitment. 
portfolio analyst last week was about avoiding the hyped stocks and sectors, of which there are always several. <clears throat> and if you can avoid destroying capital because you get drawn into buying into these hyped stocks and sectors when they're, you know, when they're reaching their peak rather than getting in in the early stage, then you've advanced your cause enormously just by avoiding the losses. So I think that was a very important session. And there was also a couple of strong buys, but again, let me re reiterate, strong buys on their own, they're just not really worth a great deal. You've got to take them in the context of your plan and what you're trying to do. So that's, that's always the key. All right, that's it for this week. Um, my voice only just made it to the finish line. Apologies for the, um, for the bit of coughing. Uh, there's more information on the website. There's my email address. And I'll be back with you next Sunday, hopefully in much better shape. Cheers.